Welcome to the program, Adam Marsh and Chin Chin. We're drinking um, Samuel Adams beers from the Boston Beer Company. And um, that leads into, I'm quite curious about your um, your fascination with um, with Boston. Um, Adam, actually, the first time I met you, you were, um, you might have to explain to me actually what you were doing in the first time I met you. Um, it was part of your moment to moment theatre company. Um, and you were, t- it was part of the open mic nights that you used to hold at um, yeah. the Dandekron Hotel um, in Carlton. Can you, can, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? The boxing? I, I actually do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I came in halfway through yeah. and I wasn't 100% sure what I was watching, but um, it was brilliant. Um, oh, thank you. It must be, it must be said into your subconscious me um, working as like the the main character and then the old man and just doing both of their voices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can, can you quickly tell us about what the um, what, what that was that I was watching? Okay, so I when it, when I was running that open mic night when we when you saw that I had written a basically a play about a dynasty of boxes mm-hmm. like. I've kind of modeled it on the Floyd Mayweather family. Yeah. So what I what I did was I was trying to like show how there was this patriarch of the family who's like in charge of the family. He was a boxer back in like the 1960s, 1950s, real old school disciplinarian. And just showing how the family through the generations have been affected by each other's actions mm-hmm. and also what has happened in their own careers. Because I think every family, particularly uh, multi-generational, you can really see a difference between each generation, their values and what is expected of them. Yeah. Almost like, um, you know, the family pressure to succeed. Yeah. And it's even more pronounced when you look at these super famous, super successful families because they feel like they have to live up to a family name or reputation. Mm. So my style of writing in that was I was trying to find the initial scene, which is where uh, the third oldest son comes back after prison Mm. and he basically has been training inside prison. He tried to get his boxing career started but was rather unsuccessful and now he's trying to get back into it. Uh, but, you know, he's on the wrong side of 20. Uh, he hasn't actually achieved anything as yet, but he still has hope and drive and ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as a part of that family, the five sons, two of them are dead, yeah. murdered in crime, you know, criminal activities. The oldest one is a rather successful boxer who's actually established himself, and he's very hard on the... The younger brothers yeah and then there's the younger brother who is looking up to the middle the the, the one who's just come out of jail and he's looking at him as though he's a, a bigger brother figure mm-hmm. but he's also torn between sticking with his bigger brother the family loyalty there and also going down his own route which has become a successful boxer too mm-hmm. so there's a lot of all of these i guess explorations into how families and how the narrative to succeed is and also just showing again how each generation had a different experience. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to develop in that project there. But as you probably know, being uh, someone who is uh, jack of all trades and someone who is self-driven, you know, produces their own projects, it can be extremely difficult to see each project through mm-hmm. uh, because your confidence wanes or life circumstances come in, et cetera, et cetera. But 
I feel very confident this year that I'm, I'm going to finish off the film projects I have outstanding and really get back into writing. I've only got two short films, that three short films that I want to do this year. Uh, the rest of it is really just writing and editing and any acting work I can get outside of that. Mm. Mm. Um, I guess you've touched on a handful of things that I, I find the most curious about you. It just makes me find you a curious person in general. And mm. I guess one of them definitely is that, that sense of drive, um, but also that that sense of drive results in how prolific you are, like in, across so many different mediums, both, I mean, whether it's short films, feature films, mm -hmm. but not only, but in such a variety of roles, like such a polymath, the Renaissance man. <laughs> like, like something I noticed, because um, uh, you had the, I, I was going to say the pleasure, but I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily <laughs> the pleasure, but um, to direct um, a film that I helped co-write and something that was so, uh, I guess, incredible was your ability to direct actors and also be able to technically do mm -hmm. all the things that a cinematographer and a gaffer um, does juggling all those roles but you know, also to be just actually an incredible actor at the same time like in, in your head how, how old you're, you're being mm -hmm. how do all those things coexist we gotta be fucking crazy mm. like would you say like in this current phase of your life are you kind of just like in a I'm crazy that's that's in this phase of my life I'm crazy and I, I'll just explain it like necessity is the mother of all invention mm -hmm. if you want something so bad and you don't know the people you need in order to achieve what you want you are gonna fight like a motherfucker to do that yeah. or you're gonna go out and find those people I found it was much easier for myself to just sort of dive into where I want to dive into. So I want to do cinematography very well. Mm -hmm. I want to do directing very well. I want to do acting very well, writing very well. Almost, I, although I don't like the guy personally, and I don't really, I'm not inspired by his work. It's kind of like the Woody Allen mm -hmm. style of getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, but rather than being Woody Allen in terms of his style, being an auteur, being someone who's very neurotic and you can see all of those levels permeate through everything. Yeah. I kind of steer myself towards the dramatic yeah. and more around the, the realistic, naturalistic acting style. Uh, whilst also telling something, I mean, you would, if I told you this, it's the, it's a quote from true romance, uh, the Quentin Tarantino written mm. Tony Scott mm. directed movie. Uh, what's his name? Christian Slater. He has this great quote that he tells the the, the rich cokehead producer, and he's like, um, uh, "What the hell is in, there was a name of a fake movie that was in there?" Yeah. And he's like, "You know that such and such is a a, a movie, but that was a fucking film." Mm -hmm. And I really think that there's a big difference between a movie and a film. Yep, absolutely. When you see a film, and I. I just feel like there's this poetic, there's this artistic, like soulful vibrance that's within every aspect of it. When you watch a movie, it's pretty dull, corporate driven kind of mm -hmm. shit. And my ambition, I hope one day, is to cultivate the skills and up to the point where I can get an opportunity to direct something that is not 
that is kind of subversive into that corporate mainstream mentality. Mm. I want to be able to make commercially viable art, but do it in a way that I want. Yep. And hopefully just work within the confines of that. But um, again, going back to your question, it just comes down to necessity. And I think if you really want to do it, you'll do it. Mm. You won't make the excuses. You'll make the mistakes, but you'll just go out and do it. But you have to be fucking crazy. You have to be. Do you, like, I, I feel like I've gotten this sense from talking to you in the past that probably something I can also relate to, mm. except maybe mm. a bit earlier on in life, mm. is that you probably, um, at some point, you kind of identified that up to a certain point in your kind of both uh, childhood, teenage years, adulthood, that you, you felt like you'd been kind of almost like, like lazy in your words. Now, I, I couldn't think of the antithesis mm. of that, mm. you being that word. But like, is that is that the, like the driver? It's one saying? of them. Yeah, I. Uh, it's like this. Any time that, because you got to remember something. I came to the artistic game like not quite late, but relatively late for me. I started <laughs> off when I was twenty. Twenty two. So I've been doing this for six years now, and wow. I, I still haven't established like a, a body of work that is building up a reputation just yet. Mm -hmm. So what I mean is like everyone who thinks I, uh, of highly of me are people I've worked directly with. Mm -hmm. They're not audience members. They're not judges. They're not influencers. They haven't actually seen my work. They've seen my process of work right now. Yeah. So um, the biggest, that that is a reason why I'm, because uh, I, I view it as like I'm 22 years late to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but rather than making that like a negative thing and dwelling on it, I've made it into a positive thing, which is I don't have time to waste. I need to get shit done every single week on an artistic mm. level. And it's all relevant. I don't view the acting game any different from the writing game, any different to the cinematography game, to the directing game. It's all part and parcel of the one skill set, which is storytelling. So anytime I'm able to just, in a very small way, work on one of those things, I feel artistically fulfilled and I feel like I'm on my path. Mm -hmm. Now, as an actor, you're never going to get work every single week. You're never going to be able to book commercials every single week. You won't even get cast every single week. So I keep myself busy by focusing on the writing, the cinematography, directing as well. I found that I've actually quite loved them and everything that I've learned as an actor has served all of those three skills mm. and vice versa so it's a big driver because and and this can be a bit of a, a judgmental mindset but I look around in the independent community in Melbourne and I see a lot of projects missing the mark mm. and that's that's fine but if you look at the big picture in terms of like the corporate or the mainstream film or TV or entertainment industry in Australia, uh, how much of it is safe? Mm. How much of it is safe rehash shit? Mm. I don't want to fall into that. Therefore, I have to get my stuff made mm. if I'm going to be the owner of my career. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, like, in that I, I, I get that sense of how driven you are and at the same time like I, I remember that you and I um, several months ago had a, a talk about um, homeostasis and mm. which, which I mm. thought was just right on the money is um, is a way to, to phrase kind of exactly what I was probably curious about is like I guess how are you maintaining 
um, just the most basic, you know, sleep and um, because I guess people I know who probably approach that level of um, output, I suppose, I think of as like quite unhinged, mm -hmm. for want of better words. Yet at the same time, like I don't, I, I get no sense that you're a manic character. So, so in that regard, like, would you say like, Something I'm always very fascinated about with mm. um, with people who are prolific is how they manage their energy. Like, do you, I know this might sound like a bit of a trite question, mm. but do you get exhausted? Only, only if I'm not being honest with myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer that every artist should trust their intuition. You have to do that. Um, if I feel, and this is also why I'm so picky about the work I do. So. Um, you know why I did Death of an Axolotl? No. Because <laughs> I fucking love the writing. Yeah, okay. I really love the writing. And I felt deep in my heart of hearts that this is the right thing for me to do. Mm. Now, I've done projects where I haven't trusted that intuition and I haven't, I've gone ahead and done it. Yeah. That's when you don't want to bleed for it. Yeah. That's when you don't want to bleed for it. Mm. I never do a project artistically, but I want to bleed for it. Yeah doesn't like I can't or the compromise is I'm not going to learn something new mm. so if I'm not going to bleed for it I have to be learning something new on that job to do it and if I'm mm. not learning something there's no point I'm not going to touch it because think about like just an average short film if I'm going to act in that that's going to take I reckon 10 hours or five hours a week to do character research rehearsals privately then you've got your rehearsals on top of that then you've got the shooting dates, speaking with the director, etc. Maybe in a month, it's a good 20, 30 hours, what have you. Mm -hmm. Then the shooting dates on top of that. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot to take on board. So if you don't have a super good reason to do it, then there's no point doing it, in my opinion. Because that energy that I could exhaust in that short film could be going towards all the other projects I have. Mm -hmm. That's my mentality. In terms of ex being exhausted, I'm pretty high energy, but... The flip side to that is I can be high stress. Yep. And this is the interesting thing. I might not look manic, but I feel manic. I feel very <laughs> fucking manic, man. Like if I'm on set and I, I've got, you know, the director's cap on and I'm I'm looking around, I'm seeing sh not shit not getting done. I, I feel it on an intuitive level and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, holy shit, this has to get done now. And if yeah. it's not getting done, I'm going to have a fucking issue with this. So... I find that the the less I stress, it means the more I've communicated, picked my constant crew right, and pre-planned successfully. Yeah. And I like to deal in, I feel like I have to override that manic urge, the, 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 the reactive, you know, act. Yeah. And I have to overcome that by thinking mindfully and saying, okay, if I approach it in this tone, if I approach it in this emotion, I'm only going to stress that person out more. Mm -hmm. So I need to find a third, a middle way, which is kind of like what the Buddha was speaking about, where he's like, yeah, you don't have to live in dualism. So I try not to. And I don't want to be like, you know, a pseudo spiritual kind of guy, but I, f I feel like treating people how they want to be treated and being empathetic to what their plot, what in life is, is mm -hmm. key to success. So going back to your question, do I feel exhausted? Or again, only if I'm not being honest with myself. Mm. 
And I, I feel when I do things and I see them through, I reclaim that energy back and it motivates me forward and forward and forward. Mm. Yeah. I guess like mentioning the third way, like um, mm. it kind of also brought to mind that something that I, I quite admire about you and I, I imagine that you would be conscious of it perhaps, is that you, you strike me as somewhat of like an, an autodidact. Like someone who's, like, I, I'm, I'm very conscious of like the investment you've made um, in acting training, particularly, um, as well as the mm-hmm. rapping, um, training to a slightly lesser degree. But that just, in terms of probably just even your um, your attitudes and knowledge that mm-hmm. you've you've brought toward anything of a creative nature, it seems, I guess self-taught in the best way possible like mm-hmm. with, with, with that would you say that's about correct i'd say with the acting side of things no um although i i had i originally yeah but i've been under tutelage for so long from really experienced teachers etc that i i feel like now not so much because i'm working under methods that i've mm. you know worked under but script writing used to be but now the thing about script writing is it's such a methodical process just think about it like this why has the script format been the way that it is mm-hmm. it's the studio mentality right mm-hmm. if you submit a script and it's not within a specific format they won't read it unless you're a name or yep. someone's vouching for you um so i I feel like with script writing, uh, it's very different from writing a novel, but I always try to find the heart of the story. And I think that that for me is very self-driven. Mm. Whereas when I'm translating it cinematically into a script using visual and audio cues, because that's largely what a script is going to be, that I've learned you know, from uh, reading that really, really awesome book called Script Writing and Storytelling. Have you heard of that book? No. It's fucking awesome, man. It breaks down everything about screenwriting. I highly recommend that. I've learned a lot from that. Uh, in terms of directing, I don't think that there is... That's probably where... And cinematography, that's probably more where like I've come in and I've learned and I've really pushed that because you can't really get taught directing. Everything mm-hmm. I know about directing is from either watching other directors, listening to other directors on YouTube... Uh, directing actors myself, being in that process, and also getting directed as an actor. Mm. So it's kind of a a miasma of all of those experiences. Mm. Uh, Whereas with cinematography, look, outside of, you know, learning the very technical limitations of a camera, lighting, what's needed, editing, etc., all of that, uh, past that, it doesn't tell you anything about vision. You can't have vision unless, well, you, you just creatively driven by a, by an inspiration or your own source of creativity so at that point it becomes less about the technical and more about your own innate understanding and going with your gut on that i'd say i'm very highly self-driven in that way and then that's where i have to sort of self-learn how to because everybody's creativity is its own language right yeah, definitely your way of thinking about an idea is going to be different in my way. Mm-hmm. And the uh, same way my way of thinking and writing a script is going to be different from Shane Black's or James Cameron or uh, 
Aronofsky, etc. Uh, and all of those all of those directors have a different emphasis on something. Some people might be more visual, some people might be more action orientated, some people might be more style, tone, or they might develop the characters, or David Mamet, for instance, who'll develop the dialogue, same with Aaron Sorkin. And every every everybody has a different language in that way. And you kind of have to decode that, in my opinion. And you also need to know what your limitations are. I'm starting to understand that. My limitation now is, a, a, I think just as everything, is that I can convolute stuff, then over the draft, start to pare it back down. Mm-hmm. So perfect, I'll give you an example. The current script I'm writing, and I've been five months in the rehearsals with this, with two actors, uh, I'm acting in it as well. It's called The Russians Are Coming. Yep. And it's about three SS, or one SS officer and two uh, Axis soldiers in world war ii and they're in finland it's set in finland and they've been pushed out of this city of viborg by the russians uh and they've all been scattered amongst the finnish tundra if you will this mm-hmm. massive snowstorm zero visibility etc it's quite dire and i've set it in this little uh, hut that's based you know in in uh, the arctic wilderness and these two soldiers are in there uh, and it's kind of like the thing meets Inglorious Bastards. So I'm using tension, I'm using historical accuracy, a little bit of heightened realism because I want the characters larger than life. Uh, but trying to find the heart of that rather than being a Tarantino ripoff. Yep. Yep. And I find with this, there's just so much I've packed into the dialogue because it is more of a dialogue driven story for mm-hmm. me. And I have to pare that back down because I find in the rehearsals I'm doing with the actors right now, it's just too much but the good news is doing those rehearsals and being able to write i'm picking up so much in the rehearsal process that i can put into the script i know what's working i know what's not working i'm able to get real-time feedback with the actors and i've told them all of what you're telling me is going in the script Mm. if i think it's justifiable so um that that's a great example of where i know my limitation and how to ramp it up And every single project that I do now, I'm figuring out, well, okay, now that I've honed on that weakness, what's my next weakness? What's Mm. the thing that I don't see in my blind spot now? Yeah? Yeah. That kind of, going down a rabbit hole creatively with your technical and your, um, you know, uh, well, yeah, your your creativity. When you go down that rabbit hole and you get curious about where your limitations are, I think that that's where you start getting into the James Cameron territory, mm-hmm. you know, where you're just fucking ultra motivated. You're on like, you're competing with yourself and you're going so far artistically in terms of the risk you're taking that you don't know how the fuck you're going to get there, but you just trust and have faith that you will get there. Yeah. And yeah, that's, and that's filmmaking in a nutshell, right? I mean, you would know better than most people. You don't know how the fuck it's going to get made, but then you start scrambling, asking people, submitting the script out, then eventually start doing the casting. And then the motivation to get better and better and, and make that starts to take a hold and it reaches like a, um, a critical mass. Mm-hmm. And then bang, you're done. Like it's getting made. I'm, I'm curious, um, I guess this kind of draws it back a little bit to um, to the whole Boston factor is something, um, I'm, I'm conscious that one of your... Um, one of the factors in you having um, an affinity with Boston is um, some of the crime films or gangster films, I suppose you could yeah. say, that, um, that come out of there, such as 
The Departeds. Um, it's interesting that 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 um that play was it, uh, that play that I saw you perform at um at the open mic that that was the play. Yep. Yeah. And that's right. It kind of when I initially um, saw it, I thought I was perhaps watching um, um, you recreating a scene from The Fighter, um, which which I had not oh, seen, right, which, yeah. which is also set in Boston. That's right. Yeah, Mickey Ward. It's based on a historically accurate okay. fighter. Yeah. Um, I've heard you say in the past, um, fleetingly, but mm. also read a blog, um, a blog post on your website moment to moment that that one of the reasons you again. Um, love crime films is was to do with your your upbringing is, is that is that sort of not 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 so much it's more um th- this is this is why i have such an affinity with boston right mm. it's the same reason why um some people fall in love with spain some people fall in love with india and i've never been there they don't have any you know historical connection to it whatsoever i think what it comes down to is my personality is probably so enmeshed with the boston cultural uh identity and mentality it was it wasn't a surprise to me when, when you told me that you love boston yeah right really yeah it's interesting like it, it actually solved a big piece of the puzzle somehow right right yeah well they call them uh they call the people in massachusetts mass holes because they've just got this fucking belligerent way of dealing with things and they're very rough and tumble yeah i guess that describes me pretty well but uh <laughs> um well, but yeah when growing up i was a very big fan of the Boston Celtics, like yeah. massive fan. Like I'm, I, it's still to this day. Like go Boston right now. I had the um, opportunity to watch a Boston game on Sunday morning. Yeah, just, right. Just missed. Yeah, three one. We've lost two of our fucking best players in Kyrie Irving and um, Gordon Haywood. We've got a string of injuries, but we're getting it done. You know that basketball team. I like to think is like the mentality that i have as an artist like if i could pick one basketball team i'd want to be it's boston you know mm-hmm. like i'm trying to fit into a lineage that's you know a storied franchise like there's a lot of you know really successful directors that i want to step in line with i don't know how i'm going to get there but i want to get there and uh there's just this grittiness this lack of complaining just going in with the armor you have rather than the armor you want and making mm-hmm. the best of that mm-hmm. that fits in with me and um, in terms of like the, the the movies there, like fuck, Good Will Hunting. Yeah, big time. Uh, Gone Baby. Yep, I thought some of Ben Affleck's films were yeah, yeah, yeah. for you. Oh uh, hell yeah! I actually uh, haven't seen either of his two kind of action crime films. Um, that and The Town. The Town is fucking good. It's really good. Jeremy Renner is a great actor too, and that really sold me on him. I wasn't really so much of a fan of his stuff in The Born Identity, but. That movie sold me on his skills. There's another good film. Um, it's another. It's a. It's a Matt Damon film. It's about poker. Uh, uh, rounders. Yeah, rounders. That's uh, fucking good. That's been on my to do list for quite yeah. a few years now. Yeah, yeah. I love. I love that movie, man. Mm. And uh, John Malkovich's character is quite a treat. So keep your eyes peeled for him. Mm. Uh, it's a great movie. Yeah, but like going back, I, I don't know. It's just everyone has an affinity to some place. And I guess for me, like that feels so much like home and I, I've never even been to Boston, but I want to go there. And uh, I guess the the way that I keep in contact with that is by following the, you know, the basketball team, watching the movies, mm. listening and learning more. And again, like synchronicity, I, I'm in a play now and I'm playing John F. Kennedy. Yeah. The Boston connection. 
Um, do you want to may as well tell us a little bit about this um, this play, Adam? Just um, is yeah. as much or as little as you want to. I know it's going to be a big part of your life for the next yeah. few months. Yeah, definitely. So I'm in a play called Ebbed, which is about uh, a character called John, based on John F. Kennedy, and it basically takes place in his subconscious, where he's confronted by the four avatars of death, which is death by homicide, death by suicide, death by disease, and death by misadventure. And he's basically arguing for his life and trying to uh, trying to get ahead of them in a very lawyerly, very political type manner. Mm. You know, appealing to them, trying to win arguments with them, but they're trying to sell themselves to him. They're all like they're all like telemarketers, and they're trying to pitch their way of dying as the way that he should choose. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot involved in that. Now. I want to touch on something with that that I think is quite pertinent and you know this is something I really want to share. Why I'm doing that play, even though I've got this film career, even though I've got a full-time job, even though I've got all of these things in it, because I have a deep calling inside of my soul right now to play that character and to do that play Mm. because I feel I'm going to learn so much and feel artistically fulfilled by doing that role. And I don't feel I'd be honoring what I am as, you know, uh, you know, writer, director, etc. If I'm not constantly going back to the fountain of acting, yeah, because that's how I fell in love with storytelling, and that's also the basis of, I guess, my craft. So I feel at the end, of, definitely at the end of all of uh, the performances, and I'm, we've got four months worth of weekend performances before we're done with the season. We're touring all around Australia with that. But that in itself, I feel at the end of that process, although I have to say no to a lot of weekend work because of it, mm. meaning I'm not going to be able to film as much as I want, I'm still going to come out of it a stronger artist. Mm. I'm going to have so much more in my um, my quiver in terms of you know uh, arrows in my quiver. So there's so many benefits with that. And um, I, I also feel script analysis is a dying art. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, in terms of, um, I suppose the the methods or the toolkit that you you draw upon um, in acting, mm. would you say that is script analysis probably one of your like your primary your primary tools? I'm a very intellectual actor, which can yep. backfire against me. I reckon the two biggest tools I have. Are all the Meisner principles, which is living truthfully in imaginary circumstances in the moment. Mm-hmm. So reacting and listening and having a point of view with the other actor, definitely one of my strongest tools. Not so much sensory, I really struggle with the sensory preparation, mm-hmm. you know, like sitting down, doing your cup exercise, which is imagining it in front of you. That doesn't really appeal to me. Yeah. But that and and uh well, the other the other side of it, yeah, script analysis. Because I I'm an intellectual person, but again, that can sort of intellectualize a, a physical emotional craft, which is acting. So it's great to have that, but it's also great to know when it's not serving you and how to get into that mentality of working emotionally and physically too. So you're not working just from the neck up; you're working with your whole body, all mm-hmm. of you. Um, I think why it's a dying art though is because people don't have the resources to, or, or the know-how where those resources are, 
how to analyze a script. Yep. It might not even be apparent in the first acting class that you go to that's even a thing and there's like a, a principle or a science behind it, but that's the basis of all acting in my opinion. And whether you know how to do it or not, you're always gonna be script, doing script analysis. Mm -hmm. When you pick up a script and you've read it and you've formulated an opinion at the end of it, guess what, you've just analyzed the script. Mm -hmm might not be in the way that's best for your acting, might not be in a creatively specific and fulfilling way, but you've just done that. So the, trap, uh, the trick there is when you know your limitation that what you're analyzing isn't probably what the writer's intention is or it's not grounded in a artistically truthful or specific way, that's when you need to go to the drawing board and find out how to analyze a script. Mm -hmm. So that that's one part of it. The other part is, and uh, this is kind of just, Let's be honest, there's a lot of lazy actors out there. Uh, there's a lot of people who aren't committed. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who just want to rehearse that script and get the fuck out because they don't care. Yep. It's hard to find people who not only care about their performance, because a lot of people do, but also backing it up with hard work. Mm -hmm. you, you have that combination, man, half your casting's done. As, uh, half your job as a director of casting's done. But when you find actors that have one or the other, maybe they've got they're gonna do the hard work, but they don't have the um, the care for it. Yeah, that's that's bad because I know a lot of talented actors out there who don't care about their craft. I also know a lot of untalented actors who don't have the technique or training who do care about their craft. Mm -hmm. I give them at least props because at least they're trying. They might not know how to increase their talent or increase their technique and training. But they're trying, and that accounts for a lot, in my opinion. So I'm always going to give them more props. I, but I, that laziness is kind of, I think it's indicative, and I've heard a lot of people speak about this. It's indicative about instant gratification culture. And this mm -hmm. is just like a trend that's been going on since, you know, the age of Socrates and Plato. We've always got this hedonistic mentality uh, with commerce and with art and with our lives, and it's up to us to undo all of that. Now, one of the deciding factors in seeing whether a person is mentally ill or not, I believe, is whether they can delay gratification. Yep. If you cannot delay gratification, you're always going to be in your reactive mindset. You're always going to be taking the shortcuts, self-medicating, eating the wrong foods, not mm -hmm. dieting, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this sort of thing where people don't want to do the work because it's hard. Mm. and they don't get the payoff that they would in getting something good achieved. Mm. I, I have that with art. What does seem to be the issue right now with me is the editing process, mm -hmm. finding the time to edit that and finishing that. I'm lacking in that area, but I know what my weakness is now, so that's half the battle. The other side of it is resources. So when you're at the independent level that me and you are at, it's very difficult to get resources. Mm. It's very difficult to find the time, the money, the favors, the location. And that's why one of the biggest weapons is making stuff with the stuff you've got. Yeah. Don't make Titanic unless you've got a fucking million dollar boat. Yeah. yeah. If, if you had your way, would you, maybe not the scale of Titanic, but would you, I guess, to what scale would you upscale your resources, ideally? Mm. 
that's a good question. Okay, it wouldn't be gear. I can, I've, in, my, in my network, I've got good people who have skills and, and, and all the gear that I need because my writing is good enough that they'll invest in that with their own time and dedication, mm. which is, and that's honestly, if I can say, if there's any, if there is one thing that always makes me happy, it's seeing people commit their fullest to the projects that I've got, because that's the biggest compliment I can get. Yeah. Absolutely. When someone says, I like your work enough that I'm gonna invest my time and energy into, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that feeling. It's not gear. I've seen a lot of shit films get made on, you know, red weapons, mm -hmm. aerial X's. It's not that. I don't think I'm lacking in vision. Yeah. But I am getting a lot better in this is I'm gonna derail the conversation just briefly. Please. I'm gonna come back to the tangent I'm going on. I'm a very big and fanatical fan of Terence McKenna. Sure. He has this thing called the novelty. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to butcher and paraphrase here, but basically his belief in life is that we're all striving to find novelty, mm -hmm. new ways of doing things, new experiences, because he believes that the universe is like this self-learning machine and that we're vessels for the universe to go out and explore these little experiences so that it can learn. Remind me, is Terence McKenna, he's involved with psychedelics in the past, is, no? He was a, Bi yeah, he was a botanist. Botanist. Yes, and he dealt in psychedelic, yeah. uh, psychedelic plants. Yeah. Uh, so so that, that all stems from, you know, his um, ritualistic use of ayahuasca, DMT, uh, psilocybin etc but coming back to the novelty effect that is my mentality with my craft mm -hmm. i it's like a fractal yeah you look at a kaleidoscope but just imagine instead that kaleidoscope instead is every thought every piece of technique everything that gets compressed into this film or experience that's being filmed and like what i'm trying to do is find the most exciting vibrant fractal that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy for me to try to articulate it because like it's it's sort of bizarre for me to even say it. But every single project is its own fractal, and I'm trying to find like what what is the most interesting novel script, the most unique way of telling the story. Then what is the most unique and interesting way based on that script that I can film this? Yeah. What is the most unique and interesting way that I can cast this? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just, it goes down this little spiral of decisions that are predicated on one another. Mm -hmm. That's, so that Terrence McKenna novelty thing is what I'm trying to go for as, a, as an artist, really. Just yeah. something novel, something different that's not being this wanky artistic thing that's reaching too far. You know, go, you, you know when something's artistically reaching and it's not in a good way. Mm. You want to you want to look at like Australian artists, particularly in the uh, arts professional world. Uh, they're just churning out stuff with no meaning, no groundedness in their emotions. It's just fitting off the Joneses, very safe yeah. stuff, and that's fine for them. But it's not what I'm about. And um. Okay, so I'm gonna now go now I'm gonna go back to the just original like, tangent. Just like a fractal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually surprised I can maintain my train of thought right now. Uh, I am crazy. But <laughs> going back to that, so it wouldn't be 
It wouldn't be my vision because that's I'm comfortable with where my vision's at right now. So let's take stock of where I'm at, where I'm at, and I'm comfortable with it. Gear, yes. Vision, yes. Uh, training and technique. I'm not in my right now. I'm learning on the job rather than being stuck in acting school and I'm or, or film school. I'm good with that. Right? Yeah, that's me. Uh, what I actually, you know, what it would be. It's time, rehearsal spaces. I always struggle with them. Yeah. I struggle to get other people's availability. I struggle myself to maintain my availability. Yep. Just to get three people in a fucking room with a script is a win. Yep. It's a win. Every time you can have that happen, it's a fucking win. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You, If you can win enough with that, you'll get something good there. Mm. I think the other factor in is being able to get good crew members because sometimes it's actually better to be paying someone to do it than not to. Because if you get a gaffer, man, there's a difference between a good gaffer and a shit gaffer. Mm -hmm. Sound, there's a difference between a good soundie and a bad soundie. And it comes out in your film. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And um, those are the two areas in film that need money. Because yeah. no one's going to do that for free because they're highly specialized and most of the time they've purchased like thousands of dollars of equipment. Mm. So it's highly technical there. And all the good ones are working. So where does that leave you? Mm. You know, you're going to be working with people who are learning on the job where you got to do it yourself. And I don't have enough knowledge right now, but I'm learning. Mainly because I want to have good conversations with gaffers on how to light a scene. Mm. Or I want to speak with my DOP if, I don't, if I'm not DOPing and I'm telling them, well, look, you know, what if we put a pancake light over the, uh, light over the actors and diffuse the windows there? What are we going to do? How, do? how are we going to light this for mood? Are we going to do, like, you know, multicolored? Are we going to do, like, hot-cold lighting? Uh, are we going to put a red-haired blondie or, a, you know, a big 2,000-watt key light? Like, what are we going to do there? If I don't know how to communicate in that, and this is where I'm sort of... That's an area. Definitely, I want to learn lighting, um, painting with light. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Gaffer, soundies, being able to pay them, uh, getting stuff that adds on-screen production value, like really good locations. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I shoot without a permit or I'm pulling favors. Um, the other thing would be I've yet to work with like a super up there actor. Yeah. I'd love to be able to do that, but I don't think I'm ready yet. Mm. And I why I'm not ready yet is because I feel if I got someone above my pay grade right now, I'd waste their time mm. because I, I don't have the capabilities as a director just to have that, you know, bang, bang, we're going down this level with the characters. And so, and also the other thing is delegating to specialists. Um, right now, I don't feel I've had enough time in each of my thing, each of my projects to really delegate the, what I'm specifically wanting to another person and trust that it's going to be there. And I'll give you a good example. Roger Deakins, yeah. who does the Coen's Brother movies. Have you noticed? Yeah, absolutely. And have you noticed how every single Coen Brother movies feels like a Coen Brother movie? Mm -hmm. Have you noticed how Roger Deakins does stuff in those movies that's a lot different from the other movies he does cinematography for? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Because the Coens brothers can articulate what they want with enough time that Roger Deakins can get it done without compromising. Mm. I'm, I'm yet to do that. If I have another DOP, I have to compromise on, on, uh, on my style and vision 
Uh, and that can sometimes be because I don't know what it is specifically I want there. Because they're very, stone tile, uh, tone and style, they're very difficult to get right or articulate. Uh, so just being able to just like delegate and trust that it's going to get done at a high level, uh, it's difficult in the time pressures you have. Mm. So that's another area. Um, mm, that, that's pretty much what bigger budgets would allow me to do but i don't think it would make filmmaking easier that's the biggest trap mm. it's gonna get fucking more difficult more harder when you've got other people's monies rather than your mm. own being spent in a production you mentioned that um uh one of the one of the draw cards of this you're heading into ebbing mm. is that correct ebbing what was that e ebbed or ebbing is the title of the jfk ebbed, ebbed yeah pardon me um, one of the draw cards of ebbed was that I guess it sort of it provided you an opportunity to to throw yourself back into acting where you've kind of been more focused on I guess the other side of the camera for mm. quite a bit of time and obviously that's been um paying dividends for your, your filmmaking for screenwriting and directing and cinematography. If you you don't have to choose, fortunately, but if you if you did have to choose, would you prefer <coughs> to be um, a real kick ass director? screenwriter or actor in front of the stage or screen like if you could only have one and be almost gain mastery mm. of that the narcissist in me says acting yep oh, that's the, completely acceptable the control freak in me says directing mm. the storytelling says the writing side um maybe maybe that's indicative of my own mentality like th those are all the things that i guess are inside of me just a different part to me and i own them but i look i think it would get to the point if i chose one i'd probably go straight into the other two like i'm just drawn to it like a moth to a light do, do you feel like you can identify your own i don't know where your talents are strong like it, it's it's funny because from the outside looking in like i've come into mm. knowing you knowing you as a polymath in, in many regards and in that really effectively like short time of knowing you like mm. you, you've adopted even more in terms of directing and and cinematography mm. is there is there one one um one of those hats or roles that you feel like in terms of your own kind of innate talent whether it's been developed or mm. you just kind of were born with yeah that you feel like you're excelling most at this juncture? Right now, directing. Mm. Yeah, right now. When I say directing, I'm also including cinematography with that because yep. I think they're just so entwined for me personally. Um, I think I'm pushing more on that because like now I'm using this time as my directing school, whereas two and a half years ago, I was using that time as my acting school. So mm. like I'm learning the formalisms of directing cinematography right now and i've got a real thirst for it um so that's probably yeah why i would answer that that mm -hmm. way yeah interesting all right i think we'll at 50 minutes is, is almost up adam so, can i interview um... you now <laughs> no really I, I i'm gonna hijack this this shit now i'm gonna quarterback it this is so looking at an outsider in on you mm. i it's funny that a lot of the things you've said about me is what i've seen in you because I haven't known too many people, and this is why I think we get along so well, mm. 
where you literally pick yourself up with nothing but an idea mm-hmm. and you find people and just make it happen. Like, mm-hmm. that's hard. I want to, what do you think your secret weapon is when it comes to getting stuff made? I would, I, I actually thought about this only just before mm-hmm. this, this podcast. I think it's just getting it made. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to have some sort of, talent or work hard enough to have some sort of talent I don't I have no idea whether it'll ever actually happen but something I always uh, mm. can, can rest upon is that I, I'll, I'll get something over the line yeah and I think that there's maybe a trust there that that if I do things long enough just just getting things over the line mm. in contrast to I guess perhaps somebody who yeah would see that this is quite monumental and you'll probably be a bit of a shit guy for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and kind of accepting that's not worth it. Like, I would probably rather do something just to get over the line and I hope that over the years that makes you competent, mm. I suppose. Um, yeah, and that's, the, I'll tell you, that's the biggest lesson I'm learning and you're the driver of that lesson for me because I look at what you've done and I'm like, I've got to do that for myself now because having it in a fucking, you know, uh, hard drive on my desk isn't the work. Mm-hmm. And my mate, my, my comedian mate, Nick Stevens, he went to BCA as a painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he made the uh, great life choice to become a comedian. So there's mm-hmm. stability there. <laughs> but basically they had a saying that was sort of, you know, uh, I guess you could say filtering around the arts uh, community there. And it was that you might think an artist sucks and their work is terrible for you. Mm. You might think that, but they're doing the work. That shit is hanging on a wall somewhere. Mm. So it doesn't matter how fucking good your vision is. It doesn't matter how good your technique is. If you're, so I'll use acting school as an example. Yeah. If you're a Tuesday night, Oscar winner at your acting school, but you're not actually taking that talent out and putting it into a short film. Mm. You're not getting cast. You're not, you don't have an agent. You're not getting a show reel to demonstrate all of that. You are nothing. Mm -hmm. You aren't, you actually aren't anything. You're potent other than potential. Mm -hmm. You are unrealized potential until then. I feel I am unrealized potential in my filming, but as an actor, uh, probably just I'm at that phase everyone else is when they're four years into their career there Mm. now this is my next question for you Mm. how far down the rabbit hole do you want to get like there must be this big term vision driving you even if you're not even if you're not making contact with that every day because you're just approaching things one project at a time Mm. what's that big overlying dream i definitely like probably um almost floored by a sense of like long-term visions of things such that i'm probably really in Mm. in the the moment that's i've probably drawn that back a bit over the years but in terms of actually articulating that it's goodness i know it's it's difficult to articulate the long-term stuff isn't it I'm tempted to say I find it difficult because Mm. to say certain things aloud almost sounds like um, hubris. 
or the, mm. or the, the, that you're, you've got aspirations beyond your station in life sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, yeah I mean, you kind of have to be like Icarus flying for the sun as a filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, it's something I find definitely fascinating about yeah, you is yeah. that your, your, your drive seems like yeah. just quite quite incredible, really. And I, I think to myself, like, jeez, I, I, I wonder, like, if, if Adam can keep this up sort of thing. And, and it, it actually, it, it does seem quite, it, it, it seems like as if it shouldn't be sustainable, but just, mm. you, you, like I said, you don't seem like a manic person. Therefore, I think to myself, like, hmm, like maybe this is sustainable. Like, you've got a good network of people around you. Consider you like kind-hearted and have mm. good, good heart, good heart, and that sort of thing. Like we all burn out here and there, but like I'm probably not really necessarily seeing signs of that. Every week I have this unanswered question, which is, should I quit? Really? I'm. S- you know why? It's like this: if the cost is too high, it's not worth it. If the cost is low enough, then it is worth it. The cost, the cost of being an artist is so great to everyone. You have to risk being the family disappointment. You have to risk your financial security. Mm-hmm. You might even need to delay having a family. Mm-hmm. You might need to go into part-time employment or unemployed in order to get your artistic stuff done. It's fucking difficult. I don't. I don't necessarily. Uh, I empathize with a lot of people who have quit. And I also don't begrudge them for doing it because it's a sane, rational thing. Mm. Now, it's almost every artist is kind of like hallucinating with their own dreams. Mm. And you're chasing those dreams. But it's like that Hunter S. Thompson quote. Every, everybody wants to get to the finish line and they want to have their car nicely polished before they die. But he wanted to just fucking careen and drift all the way to a dragging, sputtering mess before he, you know, uh, collapsed in a heap in his own grave. Yeah. And I think that that mentality is good for artists yeah. to get your shit done and get it together. Um, but, you know, I, I, I want to say this as well. Uh, with that long-term thing, I want. have you ever had this in one of your um, films that you've done or anything you've directed? When you're standing on the set and you're looking at the actors or you're looking at stuff unfolding and there's this crazy surrealness that comes over you and you're like, you look around and there's maybe a little bit of fear and you're like, oh my God, I'm in too deep. Does that ever happen? Uh, not like from time to time I will do like maybe like an episode of a TV show I'm producing or... S- something where uh, even a film I produced with my brother, yeah. Yahasro, which we kind of knew from the outset, this is this is kind of, we're biting off more than we can kind of chew here. Yeah, yeah. But, but we know that. We've kind of almost agreed to that yeah. ahead of time. And to be honest, I don't, I don't really enjoy biting off more than I can chew mm-hmm. and trying to do something big. I actually yeah. probably have a definite affection for doing things small. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you know what? Like, shooting is by far my least enjoyable part of the process. Really? Like, yeah. I th- and I think um, I had a play premiere last weekend, uh, so I just said, I, I, which I was producing as well as acting in. 
and I think one of the other cast members said, are you nervous? And I turned to them and said, like, like so, I've had so much to do both, like, leading up to this yeah. and today and far more than any of that. I don't know how much energy I'll have to expend afterward to, to yeah. kind of show my gratitude for everybody yeah. that's come in the audience. Yeah. That that 90 minutes that will be on stage, if that, that, that's my relaxing time sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I think... Well, to quote the words of Jesse Ventura, I ain't got time to be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> But see, you need that's it's funny how like that's the similarity between you and me. Like that, you 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 don't see it, but I see it, and it's you have just as much drive as I do, and you have so much stamina too. And you might not feel it, but it's true. And that I feel very much that way when I'm in the work. Mm. That's my relaxation time. That's when I know I'm good mm. i'm i'm okay mm. it's fine i'm on that like i'm in the the dow i'm in the zen moment yeah. satori all of that like yeah. that's me right there every and every fucking thing that's before that every fucking thing that comes after that like that's that's the sh that's the hard work mm. the harder you work there the better that experience is going to be that's what drive that if you really want to know what drives me it's that Mm. I want to have the best fucking filming experience possible. The more that I work in pre-production, the better that's going to be. The more I work in post-production, the more I'm honoring that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that way with rehearsal. Like I, oh, I, do, yeah. I just, I, I, I adore rehearsing my ass off. Yeah, to then go on stage and not use my brain at all. Like for it to be complete, just instant. Yeah. Like. I, I, I adore the ability to just do anything by complete instinct sort of thing. Let me ask you this as a director. What is the biggest challenge with rehearsing? When you've got actors, what's your biggest challenge with rehearsing? I, I can only... The only thing that sprouts to mind is, is probably not from the perspective of a director. It's probably like... It's probably from someone who is producing and possibly directing. Right, yeah. But it, it, as a fellow actor, it's actually probably... It's probably something that actually comes about... When I say, like, I, I don't particularly like shooting, the overarching reason for that is mm. probably the expenditure of energy to, like... Mm. like okay, like, you. Uh, I'm assuming you, you, you've got to be an extrovert? No, no yes. That, sorry? Would you be an extrovert? Would you say? Uh, can you repeat that? Would you be an extra extrovert? I'm an ambivert. I'm I'm introverted in certain moments, <laughs> extroverted in others. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. I used to be an introvert before I discovered acting, but now I'm definitely an ambivert. I've grown into that. Mm. Um, that expenditure of energy, man. Fucking I. I can get exhausted, but I push through that if the reason for pushing through it is strong enough. Mm -hmm. Like, that's probably why I have such an affinity with basketball and boxing, mm -hmm. right? Those 12 rounds, fucking technique doesn't matter after the first three. Power doesn't matter after the first three. Mm -hmm. It's discipline and sheer determination. In the NBA, 
the champions have played the most games out of everyone. Mm, good point. They've done 72 games for that season, and they've got the fucking, you know, a minimum of what? Uh, four, eight, 12, 16 games. They're going to... Yeah. yeah, something... Yeah, around that. There's a lot of playoffs and finals. There's a, there's a lot of minutes, too. And if you're yeah. LeBron James and you're averaging, like, what, 48 minutes a game or some ridiculous number like that, mm. you're exhausted, but... When you look at that sweet, shiny championship ring that says, you know, uh, 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers, world champions, NBA, mm. and you got that shining fucking jewel in there. You can point to that in your later years and you can say, it was fucking worth it because I made that. That's mm. proof. Mm. That is proof. I hope to be able to do that with my films one day. Just look back, point at them and go, man, I'm content with that. Mm. I really am. That, but fuck, those rehearsal sessions though, my biggest challenge is getting the actors to get off the script. Yep. Not just like reading it, not remembering and reciting it. I mean, to throw the fucking script away, to not use that. Give me behavior. Yeah. Give me truth. I'm still struggling to get that on a project by project basis. Mm. If I get it in the rehearsal process, that's not indicative of whether I'm going to get it on the day. Mm-hmm. I might not get it in rehearsal process. I might get it on the day. I might mm-hmm. get it in both. I might not even get it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm forever frustrated by that problem. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I, I have such a um, I have such a need to get involved in the actor's process. I like to give them more than most directors so that they can start to develop the care and craft that they need mm. in order to give the story life. And I try to place more emphasis onto them to take the story seriously and to give it more responsibility and uh, commitment than most projects that they do mm. because it does require that, man. Mm. Most projects come and go, but like, you know, legends live forever, so to speak. Mm. All right, we'll leave it there, Adam. Thank you so much for being on that. Oh, we're going to go for another 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, good, best of luck with Ebbs. Thank you so um, much. It sounds very fascinating. Um, playing JK. Should, should I talk another 30 minutes about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and where can people find tickets for that? Is, is there a central URL for Ebbs? Mm, I wish there was, but uh, look up Ebbed on Facebook. Yeah. Look up Dizzy Productions on Facebook, which is D-I-Z-Z-Y Productions. Uh, it will, there will be sporadic uh, events being published on Facebook. I can't imagine too many listeners would come to any of those shows, but I can say that this show is punching above its weight. Uh, independent theatre in Australia is so underfunded. It literally runs on either the goodwill of the actors or the meagre rations of whoever's producing it. So if you can and you're in the areas of regional uh, Australia and you happen to be in town when it's there, or you're in town in Melbourne, you get a free night, come ahead and see it because I'm excited to share it with the world. Everyone else has been working on it has as well. I genuinely think dollar for dollar, you probably won't spend another better 15 bucks mm. on a night like that. Mm. Um, obviously, everything to do with Adam at momenttomoment.com.au is um, 
number two is the, is the two with my next two moments. Can, can I also start hawking my fleshlight promo code on every <laughs> other podcast? <laughs> Special limited edition uh, <laughs> fleshlight. <laughs> I don't want to ask what that's modeled after, but I'm sure it'll find its way in your scripts soon. <laughs> Thank you so much, Adam. My pleasure, mate.